Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today that you'd like more of, make sure you listen to our weekly podcast, Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's listen to this week's message. Amen. Amen. Man, let's give him a hand again. That was incredible. And it is good to see a full room with so many people excited to be here for what Christmas is all about, to, to celebrate what the true meaning is, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're a guest today, my name is Sean Moyers, and I am excited that you're here, and I hope you'll join us again. It's good to have you. And, and then you may be a person who's been away for a while. It might be that you've been away from this church in general, or maybe even Rocky for a while, and Man, I just want you to know that we want to say welcome back. It is good to have you, and, and I hope you're going to be blessed today. And if you are, if you were encouraged, I hope you'll join us back in 2023 and just enjoy the connection, the community of people, of God's people. I want you to get to Luke chapter 1 on your phones if you have them. They'll be on the screens if you don't have them. And uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve. And what's always interesting to me about Christmas Eve is I feel like this moment is the moment where everybody comes and they sit down and they can finally just breathe. Like actually the, the, the earlier service, I don't know if they, if they were breathing because they still, they came early because they had to like wrap presents and do all that stuff. You guys were great and you took care of all that, right? You're all good. You're all done. No, you're not. But... But you come to this moment, and I feel like it might be the one unhurried moment that most of us get for the next 24 hours. And, and don't hear me wrong, it's gonna be wonderful, it's gonna be beautiful, the connections, the family, all that stuff, well, at least most of it. But most of us, it's really hurried until we get to this moment. And so what I wanna do for the next little bit is I, I want us just to take time to have an unhurried and unhindered conversation about something different about the Christmas story. And I think different is actually good because most of the time we walk in these doors on Christmas Eve and we're like, well, we know what he's gonna talk about, shepherds and wise men and baby Jesus, but maybe today would be something a little different. Maybe it would be good if it's something a little different. You see, I read the Christmas story many times this Christmas and there was a chapter before the actual birth, Luke chapter one, that just caught my attention. And there was a phrase in there that, that caught my attention and, said, and it caused me to actually ask a question. Now let me read it for you. It's, it's Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. It's the story before the story. It's before the birth, before the shepherds, before the wise men, and it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. Did you catch that? Have you ever caught that before? Like I've read that so many different times. Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I don't know what it was, but this moment, this Christmas, reading this part of the story, it just stood out to me. And it caused me to ask a little bit of a question because when you look at Mary, there was something that God saw in her that said, you're favored. Now we'll see that he says you're highly favored, but it will even later say that you found, Mary, you found favor with God. There's something about Mary, even though she's like 15 to 17 years old, even though she was born in Nazareth, like a nowhere town, she's a nobody from nowhere, there's only 150 or so people that lived in Nazareth at the time. What is it that God saw in Mary that says she was highly 
favored, and it caused me to ask this question this Christmas, does God have favorites? Think about that for a second. Have you ever considered that question? Does God have favorites? Because I've really never thought about it that way before, but it would make sense, wouldn't it? Because you have favorites, right? Like we all have favorites. I mean, it's the Christmas season. So you even think about Christmas, the holiday, there's all kinds of things that you have favorites about about Christmas, like favorite foods at Christmas. Mine, I'm telling you guys, my wife's scones on Sunday morning, like they are the best thing in the world. Krispy Kreme doesn't hold a candle, these puppies. They're like nectar from heaven. They're good, really good. Now you also have like Christmas traditions. You have Christmas movies. How many have a Christmas movie? How many of you disagree with your spouse on what the, your favorite, what the best Christmas movie is? Like, yeah, you do, because nobody, you know, like actually agrees on Christmas movies. So I was looking and I found a list. So just, just step aside from the message for a second. I found a list this Christmas, I think is probably the most accurate Christmas list of, of favorite Christmas movies that I've ever seen, okay? So it's good. So I want to show you, and I want to show you like picture of it so you actually believe me. But number one was this. Like, who argues with that, right? Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. You can clap for that one. It's, it was good, right? It's a good movie. George Bailey, you know, Clarence gets his wings, the whole nine yards. But guys, this is the one. The next one is the one that, like, grabbed me. I'm like, dude, that is so true. Like, that is gospel truth right there. Next one is. <laughs> it is a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, and just so you know, the, the, the list is not just way off. Check out the next one. Gremlins. There you go. That one had to be written by a guy, for sure. But we, but we have favorites, don't we? Like, we all have favorites. We have favorite Christmas, or we have favorite holidays. We have favorite foods. We have favorite traditions. We even have favorite relationships. But have you ever asked yourself the question, does God have favorites? Like, if you just go by, like, health and wealth, if favor is like health and wealth, then you would all fit into the favorites list. Like you just look around and right now you're dressed in your Christmas best, you're gonna go home, you're gonna have a great Christmas Eve dinner, you're gonna do things with family tomorrow, you're gonna open, you all shop for Christmas presents, you drove a car here. If it's health and wealth, then you are favored. But if you consider the rest of the world, and you consider all the inequity in the world, you gotta ask yourself the question, does God have favorites and why are some people born into privilege and some people are not? Four out of every 10 people don't have clean water to drink. 45% of all the deaths of, five, of children five years old or younger are due to malnutrition and starvation. You go to America, land of opportunity, one of out of every 10 people lives below the poverty line. Why are some people born into privilege and some are not? You look at the Christmas story and the tension is there too. Like you just look at the players and you just seem like there's some favored people in that story, but you look at this story and you're like, okay, who's the first one mentioned on the actual time of the birth in Luke chapter two, it's Caesar Augustus. I mean, the emperor of the, of the Roman world, of the known world. Power, fame, wealth, riches, all of those things seems like a favorite, but it's interesting. The passage doesn't say that Caesar Augustus was favored. It says that Mary was. Which it almost, you look at her circumstances, you say, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Because you look at Mary, she's 15 to 17 years old. We said that, we said where she comes from, but then after the angel makes the announcement and says, you're gonna have the Messiah, what happens next? She tells Joseph and Joseph's like, what? 
and he considers divorcing her, and everybody else was like, what? And you would have said the same? You go on to to nine months pregnant and she has to go with Joseph who had to be told by an angel like you're gonna take this woman home like this is true. And she has to go 80 miles on the back of a donkey, nine months pregnant, man it just doesn't seem like a favored situation does it? Then she gets there, there's no room in the inn and she has to have the child amongst the animals. I mean you just go on throughout this story and it just doesn't seem like a favored story. But the angel says to Mary, greetings you who are highly favored. So does God have favorites? It seems like he does. It seems like he does, but it's interesting. When you look at Mary was called favored, it seems like God's favorites aren't who you might think. Verse 28, it goes on, it says, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There it is again. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Apparently God has favorites, and Mary was one of them. And you look at Mary and you say, what was it about her that made her a favor? Because she wasn't the only one. You go throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, the biblical writers, there's constant references where they talked about people, men and women, that were called favored. And not just favored, but like Mary, highly favored. And wouldn't you like to know what it just constitutes to be on the list of the highly favored ones? Like to be one of God's favorite? Wouldn't you like to know so you'd know if you like made the naughty or nice list, the the favored list? What's interesting, when you go through the list of people, they're all different. They come from different time frames in the story. They come from different locations in the story. They come from different family backgrounds. They had different skin color, different nationalities. They had different giftings. You look at this group of people, and some people you're like, wow, they got a cool resume, and some people you're like, man, you don't have much of a resume at all. And you ask yourself the question, what is it about these people that causes them to be called God's favored people? one thing. There's only one thing, and you can find it in every single one of these people. Every one of them, no matter how different they were, they had one thing in common. They were called God's children. See, God's favored ones are his children. And when God showed up to Mary, he said, look, Mary, you, you have found favor with God. You're not just favored. You are highly favored, and it was because she was one of God's kids. So the question would be is for you and me is, are we one of God's favored kids? Like are we ones who would say that God would look at us and say, you're my kid, you are one of my favorites. The word favorite means preferred. And when you prefer something, whether it be a food, a holiday, a person, a relationship, whatever it is, you lean into that. Like you lean your energy, your, uh, your thoughts, your, all of those, you lean toward that thing and it's obvious that it's your favorite. And here's the big misconception, like a big misconception we have about favorites. It's this, that you can only have one. Like most of us think, man, we ask to call something your favorite, like there's only one. I wanna show you a picture of my family. 
It's not a Christmas picture, it's, it's an Easter picture. And uh, you look at that picture and you ask me which one was my favorite, well, I, I would say this, the one in the white, the really good looking one, that's my favorite for sure. But you look at, I've got four kids. Man, I'm blessed with a great family and I got four beautiful kids and if you were just to say to me, man, which one is your favorite? I would say, well, it depends on the day, right? No. I would just look at those kids and I would be like, man, Grace right there next to her mom, the oldest. Man, that one, she, man, she's absolutely beautiful. I mean, those dimples, man, she could get me to do anything when she smiles at me. Right, she's driven, she's a driven kid. She's one that always wants to grow. She is loyal. Like she's always caring for people. She's always showing up. She's a great friend. I look at that kid and I'm like, she is absolutely beautiful. She can light up a room when she walks in. She's my favorite. Yeah, that kid's my favorite. But then I look at that picture again. I was like, but man, her sister Maddie? Like the one on the right there next to her? Dude, she's pretty amazing too. Like that kid, man, she, she's 17 years old. She's a junior in high school. She is our growing leader. I mean, that kid right there, she's a straight shooter. She will tell you what she thinks. And she's right on a lot of things. Man, she's a straight shooter. She is a growing leader. She's the one, Maddie's the one that you call like when you need something. Like when you need help, you need somebody to serve, you need something, you're like, hey, Maddie. And she's always like, I'm there. Man, she's a great friend too. And she's a problem solver. She's incredibly smart, and she's absolutely beautiful like her sister. Man, she's my favorite. But you just go down the list, and I'm like, okay, how do you choose? Because those two are pretty awesome, but look at the dude on the right, the one in the pink. Real men do wear pink, by the way. But the 13-year-old Jake, I'm that dude's my buddy, man. He is. I mean, he's 13 years old, he's growing into a little man. You look at that guy, and that guy is our comedian. He keeps us in stitches, just laughing all the time. He's our conversationalist. He can't stop talking, but that's a good thing. He's a great friend, and the dude loves to do things well. Like anything he does, he puts effort into it, and he wants to do it well. And you look at that guy, and you're like, man, you do pretty awesome at anything you put your mind to. And that guy's my favorite. But I look over to the left and I'm like, but man, he's my favorite too. I mean, the 11-year-old, I mean, that dude is sneaky smart. He's our, he's our little intellectual, man. He is so smart. He is a problem solver. He figures things out. But he's also super compassionate. Like he's compassionate. He sees people, like sees them and how they're feeling. And he really cares deeply about them. He's a great friend. He's a great teammate. He's my favorite. And I look at those and you ask me, which one of those is your favorite? I got four kids and I would say this, they're all my favorite. Why? Because they're my kids. They're my kids. And when you step back and you look at this idea, does God have favorites? Yes, he does. His favorites are his children. And when he looks around at this room, when he looks around at the people online, when he looks around at all of you, he's just standing up here and he's going, that one right there, she's my favorite. That guy right over there, dude, he's my favorite. That one right back there, that, that's, that right there, that's my favorite. And he's got a description for all of you. And he steps back and he says, man, I can't even choose. Like, they're all my favorite. Why? because they're his kids. Why? Because you 
are his kids. But some of you sit there and you're like, well, I think I'm his kids. <laughs> I think I'm one of his kids, but you know, I don't know, like, I've been away for a little while, and so do I really know if I'm a favored one of his kids? If you wanna know if you're a favored one of the, his kids, you have to understand the idea of favor. And in the New Testament, the New Testament is actually written by the authors that followed Jesus around and, and heard him teach. They just recounted everything and they put it down on paper. The New Testament is written in the Greek language. And so sometimes we have to translate things back and forth between English words and Greek words to figure out the actual true meaning the author's looking at. And the word favor in the Greek is charis. Some of you just said, have heard that before. It's okay if you haven't. The word charis is more familiarly known as the word grace. Charis is favor, charis is actually grace also. They're interchangeable, they mean actually the same thing. It's used over 150 times in the New Testament. Okay, so favor, what is, what is favor? This idea of actually grace, what is grace? It's called unmerited favor. The actual definition for grace, you may have heard it before, it is unmerited favor. It means the unearned favor of God. The unearned favor of God that is upon his children. It's the favor of forgiveness. It's the favor of eternal life. It's the favor of blessing. It's the favor of protection. It's the unearned favor. You, you can think of it this way. If you've got kids, I've got those four kids up there, all right? If you've got kids, you're gonna wrap presents and give all those kids presents this Christmas, right? Like you're, gonna get, you're not gonna give one and not give the other. You're gonna give them all presents even the ones that may not deserve it as much. That's unmerited favor. And you see, you may be sitting here today and say, well, I don't know if I deserve it as much. God says, hey, I, I don't care whether you deserve it or not, I wanna favor you. Like I want you to be one of my kids and understand when God says that he wants to favor us, he knows no other way than to highly favor. Like he doesn't look around and say, well, it's kinda halfway for you. And uh, you know, they weren't that great this last year. There's not a Santa list. It's like highly favor. If you're my kid, I just wanna brag on you. I just wanna tell people about you. I just wanna love you. You don't have to earn my favor. So the question would be is, are you one of God's kids and have you received that favor? How do you become one of those? How do you receive that? It's in verse 30. The angel looked at Mary and he said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You see, favor, grace, God's favor is available to all. The opportunity to be one of his kids, to be his child is available to all. You see, he created you and then we had this thing in our life that happened at some point we sinned and what happens is it breaks the relationship and, and because God can't be near sin, he has to step away or more importantly, maybe it should be said, we stepped away. And God has done everything he could to send his son as a baby to come to be born by Mary, to live and grow up and live a difficult life and then go to a cross and die and then be raised again and that message to be preached across the world so that you could find favor. How do you find that favor? 
Well, the angel came to Mary and said, hey, you found favor. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a virgin birth. And Mary's like, what? (laughs) But Mary believed. She had faith, and she found favor. You see, for us, it is simply, you do not have to achieve God's favor. You just have to believe. You have to have faith. And God gives you his favor. If you have faith, not in what you can do, not in what you can achieve to be good, because there's a whole lot of good people that died and did not get God's favor. It's not dependent on you. It is simply dependent on receiving that gift and having faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection. In the 1800s, there was a guy named Charles Blunden. It's a very interesting story. He comes from France, and if you've heard the name before, he was a tightrope walker. Charles Blunden comes over from France, and he sets up a tightrope over Niagara Falls. Like, can you imagine that? Sets a tightrope across Niagara Falls. He gets on it, and he walks across. And you can imagine people start talking. People start traveling. People start coming. And there are crowds every single day watching this guy walk this tightrope. And he did amazing things. He put a burlap sack over his body and walked across. And people were like, well, you can see through the burlap sack. So he blindfolded himself and walked across. He took a chair, walked out in the middle of the tightrope, set the chair down, sat on the chair, and read a book. I mean, the guy just did amazing things. But the best was this. One day, there was about 100,000 people gathered. He was become so famous. The crowd of 100,000 people were there. And Blunden went across the tightrope, and he comes back, and he gets off the tightrope, and he stands on the stairs in front of the people, and he yells to the crowd, the people who could hear him, and he said, how many of you think that I can carry a man on my back across Niagara Falls? And you know what they did. Everybody's like, we believe, right? And he's like, who will be that man? And some idiot stepped out and said, I'll be that man. And you can see the picture of Charles Blunden carrying that man across the tightrope. You see, everybody believed, but only one man trusted. Faith is trust. It's not trusting in what you can do, it's trusting what God can do. It's trusting actually in what God already did through his son, Jesus. And he says to us, if you will just have faith like Mary did, even though life is crazy, if you will just have faith, place your faith in Jesus first as your savior. God, will you be the forgiver of my sins? I trust in Jesus' death on the cross to pay for my sins. And then will you be the leader of my life? Because God wants to bless you. He wants to favor you with much more than just forgiveness. Much more than just eternal life someday in heaven. He wants to give you abundant life now. And so we place our faith in God. And what he says is, I favor you. You are one of my kids. What some of you need to hear, because there's so much in your life right now. There's so many things that have been said to you. There's so many negative voices that run through your head that are saying, you're not this and you're not that. You need to hear that when you place your faith in God, God is reconnected. Your sin is pushed away. And he says, there they are. That's my favorite kid. Do you believe that? Some of you are God's favorite kid and you need to reconnect because he's there saying, I want to give you more favor. Some of you haven't placed your faith in Jesus and you need to, to be one of his favorite kids. 
You just pray simply and you ask for forgiveness and, and you even schedule your baptism and you see the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus applied to you because of your faith. Nothing else, your faith. God says, that's my kid. Now some of you sit there and you, you probably have some questions. Am I one of God's favorite kids because I've done that, Sean, and, and life has not been easy. Here's one of the things that I think is very interesting about the story with Mary that you learn is just because you're God's favorite kids doesn't mean you don't have questions. Did you catch Mary? What she said? She said to the angel, how will this be? She said, I, I, I know how babies are made and Joseph and me know. <laughs> so how's that gonna happen? She had questions. Can I be really honest with you? Some of you are like, I, I got questions too. Life's really hard right now. Can I be a person of faith? Can I be favored by God and still have questions? Or is my faith weaker if I have questions? Can I be really honest? I got questions. I got questions why some health things are happening in my family. I got questions why sometimes things seem a little bit easier for that person over there and not for me. I got questions of like, God, why is your timing so much different than my timing? Do you have questions? I'm sure some of you are like, God, why are you letting this happen? Why is this marriage going this way? Why is this happening? Why is that? You can have questions and still have faith. You can have questions and still be one of God's favored kids. You see, Mary's question wasn't a question out of skepticism because I think sometimes we get so beat up by life that we don't ask, how will this be? We were like, God, can you do that? Mary said, how's that gonna happen? Like, God, I, I, I know you, I'm a favored kid, so if I'm a favored kid, it means you got my best interest in, in mind, so I'm gonna trust you. I don't know how that works out, but I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna be your servant, she said. And in the middle of your questions, do you trust enough to say, God, I want to be your servant? Second thing, it doesn't mean, favor doesn't mean that life's going to be comfortable. You just look at the Christmas story and you're like, well, Mary said, the angel came and said, you're highly favored. And man, you just think, you just want to think, and we celebrate Christmas like it's true. You just want to think Jesus showed up and everything was fine. Now, Mary and Joseph had to escape to Egypt and live as foreigners for two or three years because Herod was trying to kill all the babies. And somewhere in that story, you go on and Jesus gets older and somewhere you don't know where it happens, but Joseph disappears, he probably died. She lost her husband and then somewhere in that story, Jesus leaves the family business to go be a preacher and then he gets crucified for what he was preaching. You wanna talk about a rough life, an uncomfortable life. God didn't offer Mary a comfortable life. He offered her something much, much better. And when Jesus rose from the dead at the end, all the heartache and all the hurt and the moment where she stood and she looked up at that cross and was like, God, why? When Jesus rose and when she came and she saw him for the first time, you know she was like, that's why. See, Mary's assignment wasn't easy. It wasn't comfortable, but it was meaningful. In Luke chapter two, there's a verse right after the birth, right after the shepherds, right after the wise men. There's a verse where Mary looks around and says she 
everybody else is doing all this stuff. And she said she looks around and she pondered all these things and she treasured them in her heart. Why? Because the angel said it was going to happen and it happened and so much more happened. And then in verse 51, it's actually like transforming in one chapter. It just fast forwards like 10 years later and Jesus is, or more than that, Jesus is a teenager and they go to Jerusalem and all this stuff happens. And Jesus stays and they leave him behind. They can't find him and they come back and he's in the temple. He said, didn't you know I need to be in my father's house? And she starts to just go, wow. And I don't know how all this is gonna happen, but God, you just seem to have a plan. So I'm gonna be a servant within this plan. I don't know how you're gonna pull all this stuff off, but I trust you. And can you trust God enough to this Christmas season, believe in your heart that you are a favored child of God? And some of you need to hear that in the midst of difficulty and the pain and the health issues and the problems and the finances and the jobs and whatever all those things are, the relationships. Some of you just faking it this Christmas trying to get through. Can you trust God enough to believe if you are one of God's favorite kids, he has your best interest in mind and he may not be providing a comfortable life, but what he wants to provide for you is a meaningful life. And which do you want? You want a comfortable life or you want a meaningful life? I'm telling you this much, I want a meaningful life. And from what I've seen, is the moments in which I trust in the middle of the difficulty. God brings meaning to it, usually not in my timetable, but always in his and always more than is expected. I want you to stand up for a second. I want you to get out your candles. And we're going to light those candles. And what I want you to do is to light them as a, as a reminder that when God looks at you today, he says, that's my kid, and that's my kid. And we're gonna look around and see that flame in every single person. And we're gonna say, all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus are his kids. And here's the deal, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, then why not do it? Why not do that today and pray and ask for God's forgiveness? Place your trust in Jesus that he can save you and that God will protect and give you a better life, a more meaningful life. And why not make 2023 the year of God's favor in your life? For some of you, man, you've done that. You just need to get closer to him. I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna sing. If you need to do any work with God in the middle of that, man, pray. Ask for what you need. And if you've got that, and just enjoy. Just look around and be reminded of God's blessing in your life. Father, we come before you right now. We're gonna sing, we're gonna light candles. Father, I pray that you would remind us. I think some of us need to go into Christmas being reminded that we are God's favored child. And if we are his favored child, your favored child, then you are working for our good. And so God, we trust you and we will just say that we are your servant in the midst of our relationships, we are servant. In the midst of our marriages, we are servant with our kids, with our jobs, with our resources. We just wanna be your servant. And we just pray in return that you would bring meaning to our life. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Bless each and every person in this room with your favor this season. It's in his name we pray.